I hear you. I hear you. But what is the role of the artist? What's all this for? An artist's duty, as far as I'm concerned, is to reflect the times. How can you be an artist and not reflect the times? Well, may I be brave enough to speak my truth? That to be the definition of an artist. From the top. Yo, yo, this is too much. Slow down. Peace, God, peace. From Music City, Nashville, to the world. This is not a podcast. This is not a conversation about art. This is an attempt to wake you up. And now that I've got your attention, don't listen to the words. Listen to the silence between the words. You are now entering the Museum of Presence. Thanks for picking up the Museum of Presence. I thought it was important for us to just start by telling you what is this thing? Why is it here? And why might somebody be a part of following something like this? Well, the Museum of Presence was born out of a desire to build a table for artists, collectors, and space makers in Nashville. Our desire was to build a table with mindfulness and underrepresented community at its foundation. We began collecting stories of artists and meditation guides, rappers, enthusiasts, and gallerists that represent the four corners of the BIPOC community in Nashville. We decided to leave out all of the texts and articles and let the artists tell their stories in their own words. So that's what these audio pieces are. I hope that you enjoy them. I had a lot of fun making them. And this very first session, we're just going to sort of walk through the paper and go through this exhibition. May I be brave enough to speak my truth. The conversation starts off with Tanya Lewis. She's one of my best friends here in Nashville. And she used to be the owner of the Post East in Nashville. It's where I met so many people. She has courageously agreed to help to produce this paper while also developing a farm called the Wonderful People Farm. Tanya? You know, there's a lot of movements in the city to really highlight and celebrate art in the city, but this is one of those ways that really captures it and presents it in a way that I think really elevates the artists, space makers in our community who don't always have a platform. The word you started out with earlier, just being grateful, that gratitude is God. what I'm feeling right now. Bless God. I, I love it that you said that. Camilla is one of the most loveliest people that you can meet in Nashville. She is the founder of an organization called Greater Than Equal and the host of a podcast called The Fashion Futurist. Camilla? That makes me think of all of our relationships before. This paper is bringing people to the forefront and we're all kind of connecting as a community together. So it's helping to it's helping to connect people, right? Unlike anything else, I think, in the city, unlike an event, this kind of like just sits with you and you're present with it and you're being a part of these everyone's journey as you start to listen to the podcast and everything else. It's like such a deeper experience. 
Evan Brown has grown to be one of Nashville's premier art curators and collectors. He hosts all kinds of panels and social experiences around the city gathered around art. And we're very lucky to have him to be a part of the Museum of Presence producers. Evan. I remember Shabazz and I sitting at retrograde and I was like, yo, Inca's about to be gone here in a little while. For those of you that don't know, Inca is a black art gallery that was on Buchanan. While Inca still exists outside of Nashville, unfortunately, just recently, they shifted their business model to do something a little different. So, you know, he was like, yo, I had an exhibition for you, but I'm working on this other thing. Part of it, and I was like, "Yeah, let me see what it is." We've all been involved in the art community in Nashville for a long time, especially the art, the Black art community in Nashville, North Nashville arts, and we've seen galleries come and go, and artists not really having spaces. I was grateful that day, being at that moment in the presence that we had, just sitting at retrograde. This magnificent thing I'm grateful because of what we have produced. This comes at an interesting time, especially you just mentioned Inca Gallery, right? And we're like, where are the galleries? Where are the places to find art and to explore art in Nashville? And there's just not many. Maybe there's a lot of murals or whatever that is, but there's there's just not many. And so this comes at an interesting time, I think, in the city when we're experiencing this growth And this is like, these are voices that need to be heard. And now it's accessible in an unconventional way to everyone. It's like these voices, it doesn't have to be in a physical building. It could be anywhere. It could be wherever you are at that moment. It's it's penetrating and flowing throughout the city. I think there's something to be said about how art is presented. And I think you mentioned this earlier, Camilla, about how a gallery, you know, like there's a physical building that you can walk into, but this is accessible to people where they are. This newspaper is an opportunity. When we talk about celebrating black and brown artists, it's who gets to tell the story? How do we tell these stories? And how do we bring these stories to life? And what's what's very interesting about the newspaper is typically newspapers tell other people's stories. But with Museum of Presence, all the artists are telling their own stories. When we talked about it being called the Museum of Presence, right? Let's let's just look at it on the surface level about presence in itself and this being a newspaper and how you, like what you're saying, how you have to sit with this, right? You have to, like, this is everywhere. It penetrates walls and galleries and places it just it's with you and i love that idea of it being called the museum of presence it makes me question like what's in a name the idea that we call this museum of presence it's not the, it's not the museum of fine art it's not the it's not the <laughs> museum of african-american painting or sculpture or something like that it's a museum of presence there is this different take on how art can present in the city. I think it's actually just pretty wild 
that leave it to black people to say, yeah, we're gonna create a museum without any wall. Hey, disinvite us, disinvite us from music, we're gonna make hip hop. Disinvite us from the museum and we're gonna make a museum some other way. This is our tradition. This started as a paper, right? And it grew into a community table. And then it, and now it's a podcast. <laughs> this was not any of the intention. But we had three pillars and that was it. The three pillars are art, mindfulness, and underrepresented Nashville. That's what we said. And I think that we've really had a chance to dive into all of those things in a really lovely way. This is a, hopefully a great excuse just to make a table. When we first got together, that's all we talked about was like, hey, let's make space for artists to be together, for people that love arts to be together, people that love making wellness and mindfulness, and for communities that sort of aren't usually invited to those. And that's what I'm excited about with this. You know, you have a, you, Shabazz, have had a very unique position in relationship to this newspaper because you're not only the creative mind behind the newspaper, but you also are our first featured artist. So talk a little bit about what that experience has been like for you as as you've been embarking on this journey. First of all, I should say just <laughs> elephant in the room, kind of stressful <laughs> because it's a lot. It's a lot. And we didn't really initially intend it. I wasn't supposed to be the first feature artist. We had another artist, but there was a lot of complications. So we shifted gears and honestly, it was a very stressful endeavor. And midway through the project, we had an experience where we were out at the park and we were making this sign that said, this stop sign, we made this stop sign with me and Chris, Chris Callie, your husband. And we, you know, uh, we were out and we made the stop sign that said, stop. You're now entering the Museum of Presence and it's a lovely experience. And then this lady comes up to us while we're in the park and starts harassing my kids, telling them that they can't play in the park. <laughs> And I go in on this lady because how dare she? And then after I finished defending my kids, because I will defend my kids to the end of the earth, I looked over at the sign that said, stop. <laughs> you are now entering the Museum of Presence. And I feel like it was God speaking to me. This project is not just about what it looks like. We're about to get emotional. It's not about how cool it is. It's about what we are offering to the world. And so God showed me like, hey, Shabazz, this isn't just about making the sculpture and making art. This is about being the art. In that moment, I'm realized, although I want to defend my kids even more so, I want to be the art. And so it was the wake up call to say, slow down. And if you're not enjoying the process of creating this thing, you're missing the point. You had a similar experience where there's somebody that was interested in partnering with us and they wanted to partner with us on this project and help us out. And we were still trying to figure out what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And after trying to get our stuff together, like, ah, we don't really know. Finally, you wrote an email and you were like, you know what? We need some time. We still haven't figured out all our stuff. And I, I'm glad that you want to help and, you know, partner with us. But we're trying to figure out. And then she writes back and she, what she said. She appreciated my vulnerability because it, she said, I appreciate you doing that because it allows me to do the same. And I feel like I've always wanted to be able to be real with people about things like that. But I just never had. And she said, you've given me permission to do the same. So I think when we show up fully, 
in moments and we're transparent and we're honest and present, then people recognize that and they see that, hey, I'm you're giving me permission to be able to do the same. This story is so impactful to me. And, and after that moment, it became the guiding light for how this project has to happen. It's not just about making the best paper or making, collecting the best art. It's like how we're showing up in the world, in our community, in Nashville. And that to me is, that to me, that story is why we're doing this. The theme, may I be brave enough to speak my truth? Like, what does that mean? How is it integrated into the exhibition? Man, that was great. Thank you for pulling us around because we were getting deep. Yeah. Back around. Full circle. Right. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle. Nobody, full circle. Thank, thank you, Camilla. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? Let's just be about it. Let's, let's get into this paper. I think it's important to know Joseph Ross shot the cover for this. It's so beautiful. All of the Easter eggs that are in here, it really sort of represents what the paper is about, our mindfulness and community. I think that Joseph Ross did a really lovely job. Uh, and, and he has a whole team of people that came to support and be a part of the project. One of the things that I mentioned that I love is the arch, right? And that's kind of like a doorway into yeah. who we are. Tanya, like, Tell me about the connection with the earth because there's so many different elements of the earth, even the colors, the green, the brown, the blue. It's even more significant when you talk about where you got all of these things to create the set. The day before I had been driving on these rural back roads of Nashville or tenant, you know, Nashville, Davidson County. And I saw all of this like shrubbery along the sides of the road and flower wildflowers that were growing. And I was like, oh, I have this brilliant idea. I'm gonna go and cut some of those down. And so we started driving around and literally walked out into fields and started cutting flowers. And it just all started coming together. Let's talk about this paper in and of itself, Shabazz. You're the first featured artist and can you talk a little bit about this first exhibit and what inspired your inspired this for you? As we enter the exhibition, may I be brave enough to speak my truth. We're greeted by two pillars, one made of wood and one made of stone. One honors the Fist Jubilee singers. The very first black song ever recorded was Swing Low, Sweet Cherry, Coming for the Carry Me Home. Started the whole black recording industry began with this. And so it was very important. Your husband and I worked for about a year, maybe more, sort of carving pieces of wood to make this piece. The second monument is of another figure in Nashville. It's in honor of Little Richard. It just has the words wop bop a loo bop a lot bamboo written in stone and marble. $50,000 worth of marble. <laughs> what a sort of special way to honor one of our heroes, Little Richard. 
who is the architect of, of rock and roll. And I thought it was really important to create monuments like these because for these to be such pivotal figures of Music City, of of, of Nashville, it, I also think it's just as much of a disparity that there aren't uh, more monuments. There aren't more public art monuments uh, in these sort of the honor of these giants. The only problem is that this monument is sort of hidden. You know, it's actually a private sculpture. So it's owned by a building here in Nashville. You can only see it through the window. I think that's really powerful that you used the what the city is known for as a way to nod to, hey, Music City, you're a city that is supposed to be for artists and musicians, but you have no sculptures that actually commemorate the people who have helped to lay the foundation for this city. I think that's really powerful first move on your part to be able to create something like this. My hope is that this is a prototype for the kind of monuments that need to be all over Nashville. I am hoping to send a message to everybody who's building something in Nashville. Anybody who's building a, a stadium, if you're building a, a new sky rise, that you have to be telling the story of black people because our culture built this city. And it's lovely to see sculptures of guitars everywhere in Nashville. We love them, they, they're beautiful. But I think that that space could also be used to tell the stories to tell our stories and to honor the ground that we walk on and the sacrifice that was made to get us here. I think a lot of these people moving to Nashville want to tell our stories. They just don't know where and how do they do it authentically. Well, call me up. I'd love to help. Can you talk more about Little Richard? Because, I mean, going to the next page, there is very interesting paintings and the one on the right looks kind of like little richard talk talk more about like the significance of little richard on this page we see two figures one of little richard on the right and he has this sort of obscured face and part of the reason because of that is he represents more than just himself you know he was one of the earliest founders of the black queer identity, you know, without even having a community. Later on in life, he went on to change his positions, but it doesn't, it doesn't change that in the beginning of his career as an artist, he gave people permission to be themselves in ways that they couldn't be before. And I went, I remember going to the music museum on Jefferson Street and the guy that runs this museum on Jefferson Street, he was friends with Little Richard. And he talks about how there were other trans artists that were inspired by him after seeing Little Richard because they're like, I, I can be this way, I can be myself. I can actually be free and be exactly who I am. And they took the stage and became artists. And so while he doesn't really get the credit for that, that still doesn't change the fact that he created that energy and he unlocked that in so many people. 
and I, I think it's actually really interesting that on the other side of this page there's a picture of Malcolm X because in the same way from a community of people very different Malcolm X or El Malik El Shabazz as he was called in his later years represented this ability for black people to think of themselves in ways that they couldn't before as well in some ways these figures Malcolm X and Little Richard represent the, the two bookends of a spectrum of black queerness. Hey, I don't have to be the way that y'all think that I need to be. In being so flamboyant with how they represent that, they unlock that in all of us. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that that was important to sort of show these historical figures in that way. May I be brave enough to speak my truth. There it is. I, th <laughs> I think that's so powerful. And especially what you said about Malcolm X, because he never really, he was continuously breaking stereotypes, right? Mm -hmm. Even, you know, the way that you protest or the things that you say, it's like very unapologetic. But even when he left the Nation of Islam, it was like, how am I bringing together cultures? And it was like totally breaking through when no one else was doing that. They were both transformative in their own ways. And I think the obscurity and the way in which you depict them in your painting really portrays them as not like they don't have a single identity you know like their identity they were they they were activists they were community organizers they were musicians they were people who carry movements that transcended them that went beyond them and so it continues to affect people today so i think that's a powerful way of portraying them through your work It's interesting how they're kind of, you know, faceless. And it's almost like, you know, I could be that person. Mm -hmm. And then we go to the next page and everyone has their mouth open like they're screaming. <laughs> As we turn a corner on this exhibit, we see three screams. Or are they singing? These portraits really grapple with black anger, rage. They're almost scary. But if you look at them a different way, they seem beautiful. I love the way that this exhibition sort of blurs the line. What is the inspiration behind this? According to social norms, we're not allowed to allow our anger to meet its full fruition. Because mm -hmm. because of the fragility of the world that we live in, that they can't handle the rage because they know because the world knows that the way that they've treated black people have been so egregious that if they caught the full fire of our anger, the world would have to fold as we see it. There is a poem here. When perfect words are hard to find, beautiful sounds will do just fine. I think it's interesting the connection, remember to breathe, because even though we might have this anger inside of us, you know, sometimes we do have to take a moment and like breathe and say, how can we actually turn this into, how can we funnel this energy and this anger into progress, mm -hmm. right? And, I and think, moving forward. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, when you think symbolically of like fire and consuming, I think about the people that are symbolized on this page as 
people that are our, that exist in our communities, when we put our fire into the things we're passionate about, the things we create, you know, the, the things we're able to do, how we're able to impact true change that can be experienced and felt in so many different ways throughout our communities. Fear has no home here. So as we move to the next page, this is one of the woven blankets that you have. And it says, fear has no home here. And when you're talking about passing from generation to generation, I think about our grandparents and even my parents. And every single generation, it's like a layer of fear has been moved away. And even you think about, I'm not gonna say what generation I am, but but you think about even my generation, I have fear. Like I have fear of things. And then my kids, they're like fearless. It's like every single generation, fear has been removed. And each time we're seeing even more bold and outspoken people that are speaking their truth. Yes, we are fearless when we are kids and, and everything is open to the imagination. Right. But then we get older and we start to see roadblocks and and real racism in our workplaces and environments. But when we talk about the art that you have on this page, we see young people kneeling and then we see a father and son out in the out in the openness. But then I see this dynamic piece on the left side and this this beautiful woman on this yellow background with this dress that looks like it's almost in a tornado at the bottom. I placed this dagger and olive branch in her hand and it sort of represents the choice. This is called Ejule's Choice. A lot of my paintings don't have names until they have names. This Yoruba deity represents is actually also some of the things that I was grappling with when I painted it. And I thought that it was, it was really lovely to represent her here beautiful as we flip the page here so this sculpture is actually this is a sculpture that's my family so this figure of this person is my wife and then there's on stacked on her head are two other heads which represent my kids i made this for my wife some years ago it's when i was really exploring pillars and what that was all about this was a study but i wanted to include it here because of the mask this whole spread really is just playing with the mask. This year, I just, just learned that I have autism. <laughs> and a few years ago before that, I learned I had ADHD. That was pretty, pretty peculiar experience to me. And so part of the thing with autism is there's this masking. There's all these sort of symptoms that come with autism that, first of all, I never knew were symptoms. I just thought that this was, I just thought that I was a weird person. I thought that like, oh man, I just need to get it together. And I lived my whole entire life saying, get your shit together, man. Mm -hmm. And then when I realized, oh, actually, these are actually these things that people who have autism deal with. I felt like, hey, here is this other part of me that, that's always been hiding in plain sight. You touch on something extremely real and the mask that, you know, oftentimes people use to conceal yeah. or mask when you talk about masks, because 
you know, especially as it relates to mental illness, because or anyone it's not that's struggling, a mental illness. or I wouldn't say a mental it's illness, just a but just a struggle. It's just a difference. I started to interrupt you, but like I think it's really important for us to vocabulary okay. that um, mental illness is says that there's something wrong. There's mm -hmm. something that needs to be fixed or diagnosed or changed. But actually, just we use the language neurodivergent okay. because you know there is a normative sort of idea of how your brain works, and then there is different. I, I sort of have grown to love and appreciate the way I know that's not what you're talking about. Right, right. But I, I think but for I our listeners, but I wanted I, to right. pause and educate. Absolutely, I think it's important to redefine um, terminology that doesn't really convey exactly what's happening. And neurodivergence is actually a little bit more I think telling of what it truly is because when you think about illness obviously there's it means that it's connected to a disorder or and it's not necessarily it, it's maybe a distortion of some sort in the way that a person may perceive the world which is is true and I think these masks you know in and through this art in a lot of ways is we all have them we all walk around and oftentimes conceal what we're really feeling or sometimes our identities because we don't there's no acceptance or people don't really understand but the more we normalize these types of things and have these conversations then we again going back to may I speak my truth we give people permission to be able to speak their truth I'm struggling I'm having a difficult time I'm having a hard time I need help in a way that's truthful and honest that allows people to make those deeper connections. As we turn the page through the gallery, we see an image of a Miles Davis on the left. And you might not tell from this photograph, but there are words inscribed over his head that say, darling, you are my sanctuary. And on the right, this, this image of my son giving himself a hug. And there's a poem written on it, and it says, if home is the place where I feel I belong, then running with God is the only place I've ever known. And there's a bell sort of hanging from it, um, which I love that it has, it makes this beautiful sound. In the old Judaic tradition, the priest would go into the inner sanctum, the, like the, the holies of holies, and they would go take the people's prayers to God in there. And they would put bells all over the body so that if if the, the priest wasn't right with God, then then they wouldn't hear the bells anymore and they would know they got to drag them back out. Because <laughs> no one was allowed to be in there. But what happens is the sort of offshoot of that is that the sound of the bells for the people that were waiting for their prayers to be answered, they just it became this sort of beautiful, melodic experience for the people. And I thought it was important to show uh, this figure sort of loving themselves. And I think that there is this, this new idea of us being able to enter into the Holy of Holies for ourselves. I love that he is embracing himself and which to me is indicative of self-love. Let's talk about this next one. We turn another corner and find a series of black men. They all look the same, holding flowers in their hands. And the inscription writes, 
Every third black man in America has been entangled with the criminal justice system. Why? Are we more criminal? Or has our existence been outlawed? This image based on a photo by Sedu Kita is what I call the fragile black man. I've painted this figure over 150 times. Every third man is depicted in a prison jumpsuit in hopes to capture the humanity and beauty of our souls and brotherhood wherever we might find ourselves. It's not that the black man is fragile, but we are living in a world that is fragile to our liberation. We are also a people waiting for when we too can be as fragile as this flower. I think this is a very powerful one because it speaks to society and you know a lot of what's happened over the past several years in protests of the killing of unarmed black men. I painted most of these images in 2020 and I wasn't really planning on including it in this exhibition. But later on, you'll see that I had a conversation with Omari Booker about his time finding freedom in prison. And I was inspired to include this story for that reason. I know this kind of really resonates deeply with you as a black male in carrying forth this exhibit. There's thousands upon thousands of our people that are behind bars. I think there's this sort of proliferation of, of governance and policing in our communities. And when they don't know what to do with the anger, the liberation with the things that we like to do, they just make them illegal and arrest us. There is this fragile world. As we go to the next page, we see an, an image of this figure sort of in a hammock. And it's actually you. So we were, <laughs> Tanya, we were out, we were out. We, a bunch of us, a bunch of our friends, we, we go kayaking sometimes oh, yeah. on the river. And uh, you were sitting there with one of our community babies, <laughs> um, Ozzy which is Marnique and Jarek's little boy. And you guys were sitting together. And it was such a beautiful, intimate moment that you guys were having. And and I, you guys were in this hammock and I sort of painted you guys to almost kind of look like you're hanging out in the sky. You think about it, it takes a village to raise a kid. And I've always considered myself to be everyone's aunties. All my friends, and all their kids. And so I'm Auntie Tanya. <laughs> and so just this particular day, I remember it very well. You know, I felt like I'm an extension, I'm the extension of Ozzy's mom. Yeah. And so we were hanging in the hammock that day so mama could, mama could take a break. Yeah. Mama needed a break. It has this sort of Mona Lisa type quality. And there's a poem that's written in this painting Finished is a peculiar concept. What can be finished? What has ever been finished? Do not the flowers grow from the garbage? What could ever be finished? Tick, tock, tick, tock, tick. I was really inspired by the life and teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh who was, has become kind of a spiritual father. I love that. 
There's so much to see. I didn't even see that when I first looked at this. The exhibition ends with an image that I call Heavens to Marcy. And this is actually a picture of Jay-Z surrounded by a bunch of kids in the Marcy projects. Um, again, I've obscured the face because in some ways this figure as he hovers above this chessboard represents all of us, all of us playing this game of survival, mm -hmm. of, of, of sort of moving up. I think what Jay-Z kind of symbolizes also in a lot of ways is to rise above the circumstances that were kind of set against him in a lot of ways, you know, to become one of the greatest hip hop artists of all time. So heavens to Marcy, you know? Heavens to Marcy. I'll leave it at that. Okay, I'll leave it at that. The Museum of Presence is made possible by a grant from Metro Arts Nashville, a contribution from Studio Bank, and my friends like Tanya, Evan, and Camila. And before I go, I thought it would be important to mention that I'm actually cultivating a small mindfulness community called True Voice. It's an app that is full of meditations with people that sound like us, people that are experienced in their practice and people that are learning too. We have live meditations that happen pretty much every day and there are different kinds of conversations and we're forming a little community. So if you're interested in conversations like this and meeting some people like you in a virtual space, I'd love to invite you to True Voice. For now, you can go to truevoiceapp.com slash museum of presence to be invited. Thanks for being here. Be sure to check out all the other stories in this series. They're so fantastic. What a lovely, immersive world that has been created. Until next time. You are now entering the Museum of Presence.